Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to our Q&A episode and listening to Arc 1 of Little Realms. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a review on iTunes or Podchaser or wherever you go to get our show. It means the world to us and we love reading reviews. Also, you can follow us at Pod Realms on Twitter, uh, Pod Realms on Instagram, and you can find us and join our Discord channel and chat with us. The link is on our website at littlerealms.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Little Realms, a D&D actual play podcast. Though we're doing something a little bit different today and having a question and answer session with questions submitted by you, our listeners. I'm Adam, you know me as the voice of Arden, and today I'll be your host for this Q&A, and I'm joined by... I'm Sarah, and I am Vim. I'm Dan, and I play Cyrus Asafraz. I'm Nikki, and I play Javel Goldenheel. And I'm Candace, and I'm the Game Master. <laughs> we recently wrapped up our first arc of the game, and if you haven't been listening to what we've been doing, I'd recommend checking that out before listening to this Q&A. So without further ado, uh, we'd first like to thank everybody and give a big shout out to everyone who submitted questions, whether it was on Twitter, on Discord, or directly to us. Uh, Merck and Lance from D4 on the Floor, Epat and Lychee, and Nikki from Top of the Round, and Drew, and anyone else I might have missed. Thank you all so much. So we wanted to start by answering some of your questions about how we created the game, how we created our characters. And uh, to that end, the first question we're going to answer is how did we envision our characters' personalities when we created them? And how close to the mark did we get when we were actually playing them throughout the first arc? So, Dan, y your character's voice has been really consistent. You had clearly a very firm impression of what you wanted to do with him, and that came through for sure when playing. So how about you start us out talking about this? Huh. Okay. How close did I live up to what I wanted to portray? Is that the question? Yeah. How close did you live up to what you wanted to portray? And also, like, uh, why did you decide on Cyrus in the first place? Okay, I can answer that right now. I really love emotional juxtaposition. So like when I listen to shows, like everyone's got a specific character they fall in love with. And for me, my my type has always been the goofy characters that have like a serious moment in like one episode because I just love that stark contrast. So like some examples would be like uh, for all you nartards out there. <laughs> Mike Guy and Rock Lee, I love it when they have their serious moments. Um, mm -hmm. So when I designed Cyrus, I was thinking a lot of that Pixar movie, or Disney? Who did Up? Pixar. But I was thinking of Pixar Up. I, like, the first five or ten minutes on Up is the saddest shit I've ever seen in an animated no. film. I cry every time I watch that opening to Up, even though I know exactly what's happening. Yeah, it's so goddamn beautiful and so sad, and I was just impressed by it, so I'm like, you know what? What's the opposite of sad? Goofy and funny. I want to try to capture sad and also just be my, like, goofy is just kind of my natural state, so 
That's where I was. That's where I was aiming with Cyrus. I want to be goofy, but have really strong moments of sadness. So did I capture it? I mean, no one can ever reach up, but I did okay. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to reach something in general that has been as heavily scripted as a movie in our format. So how did you think you, like you said, you didn't live up to it perfectly. Are there any specific moments when you're like, oh, dang, I could have done that better? Hmm. I think sadness is very difficult to role play. And it was very, I could have went and visited, um... God, what's his name? Theo. <laughs> I'm an awful, <laughs> awful lover. <laughs> I could have visited Theo more, but it was like just emotionally taxing to role play scenes with him. So I, as a player, I avoided it. I got it. I got it <laughs> one and done. And I'm like, all right, thanks, Theo. Bye. <laughs> I was wondering about that. He would look at sad pictures to prime himself for those scenes. I did. That helped. I did look at some very sad pictures whenever I had to role play with Theo. And I'm like, you know what? This is kind of hard. So maybe let's just not have a Theo scene today. <laughs> I was wondering about that, actually. For me, that's kind of how it was. Like, even though I visited the library a lot, I tried to not run into judy because even though <laughs> and we'll get to this a little bit later judy is one of my favorite npcs in this game i had a hard time like getting into my arden headspace when interacting with her so even though i like had an idea of how arden would interact with this person in the real world i just could never quite get it right for my own I totally get that. It's it's the same with Theo. It's like I, I really appreciate what Theo brings to the story, but it's hard to get in that space, so I avoid it. Mm-hmm. How about uh, Sarah? How did you figure out your characters? Do you have any NPCs that you'd love to roleplay with more, except it's just hard? <laughs> I think for Vim, when we were coming up with the idea of doing a game for a podcast, I wanted to kind of put together a character I knew I could roleplay, but more than that, enjoy roleplaying for a long period of time. So I went to some of the tropes I typically really enjoy playing, to be perfectly honest. So the kind of mercurial trickster who thinks that everything they do is just because it lines up with their own very specific moral compass. Is kind of my favorite <laughs> archetype to play. And then recently, I've also really enjoyed playing like big ladies. So, kind of women who are huge, but not just physically because they have big personalities and kind of a lot of heart. You just described yourself. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Except the tall part. <laughs> So, like, Vim isn't too, too far off center for me. Um, she's shyer than I am. She's <laughs> uncomfortable with some topics that I'm perfectly comfortable with. Um, so that's some ways in which Vim definitely varies for me. And not things I had planned during character creation, but that I think made sense in the moments while we were role-playing them and have, have kind of become fun or important pieces of the character. <laughs> Yeah, and that's actually something else that's interesting to bring up. Like, almost all of us are both playing characters that are similar to ourselves and also very, very different. Um, 
Like one thing that I've noticed about Dan and Cyrus, like Cyrus is a lot more comfortable with certain subjects that I <laughs> imagine Dan blushing about every single time they come up in our regular conversations. We don't need to be coy. Cyrus is a horn dog. Dan is very good Christian boy. <laughs> hey, I wasn't going to I wasn't gonna say it myself, but <laughs> I love the scenes between Indigo and Vim. And I think we'll, we'll see a few more of those in the future, <laughs> but I think for, for both me and Candace, uh, but perhaps for different reasons, those scenes can be a little bit tough because they're, they're very emotionally charged on a couple different levels. Uh, oh boy. We'll talk about Indigo later. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I feel like I should add to this conversation too a little bit and say that like my way of coming up with my character was quite a bit different than all of yours. I tend to get a lot of my inspiration from uh, video games, anime, movies and the like. So rather than like deciding, hey, what kind of character do I want to play? I was like, hey, you know, it would be really cool to play a character like this. Um I'm not going to name the character. There, there's no point in doing that. What? It's a QA! and a Give it up, Adam. Yeah, give yes. it up. Give it up. <laughs> I'm not going to give it up for two reasons. One, uh, talking about it and talking about how I changed the character could be a bit of a spoiler to two people who are present right now and actively or inactively playing through the game. It's quite in question. inactively. And also, because I don't want to spoil the game, you know, I, if we want to talk about video games on a podcast later, I'd be happy to recommend mm -hmm. that people go and play this game, but I'm not going to indirectly make that recommendation while I'm talking about my character. Um, I, I do want to add, though, that I am playing this video game, and when this character showed up, I was like, ah, that is not Arden. I see it. <laughs> in like a good way yeah so that's sort of that's that's my creative process in general that's my creative process with um with npcs like no matter how cardboard cut out they are I, I, when i'm gming i at least try to like come up with a mental picture of them so i sort of know like what their body man mannerisms are um and, and it's the same as i do when i'm creating a character now Throughout the first arc, the character changed, in my mind, actually, a lot. I was forced to take the, uh... <laughs> it, it, I was forced to take on sort of the, the curmudgeon, like, serious character role, which hadn't actually been my initial... Uh, my initial plan. Like, I planned on playing this character who was sort of, um... Who was who was sort of antithetical to a lot of what the party was doing. Like I had planned to play a character that, well, friendly was also sort of antagonistic, and that came by, but in sort of a hypocritical, playful way, not like actually antagonistic towards the rest of the group. Um, but in the end, I was I, I felt like I sort of had to play a character that would drag everybody else along. You're like the character who unbelievably has common sense in this group of Yeah, exactly. And that was that was not my goal. My goal was to play a character that was like severely lacking in common sense, but lacking in common sense in 
not necessarily a silly way, but more of a serious way. But I ended up playing the character that is like maybe even a bit too sensible about everything. You underestimated the idiots you'd be saddled with. I mean, it, it... And in so doing, I've also been replaying the game that the character came from. I think they actually turned out more like a different character in that same game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was interesting. <laughs> but yeah, the last person who has not answered the question yeah. yet, Nikki. Nikki, talk about Jarrell. Oh, gosh, there were kind of two directions I came out with um, with Jarrell. Um, the first one is kind of like Sarah. I wanted to be able to play a, com- a character that I was very comfortable with. Um, I was actually when the idea of doing this as a podcast. So a bunch of us had already played in a game together. So basically any, everyone in the group except Sarah had played a game that Adam was DMing um, together. And, and Candace brought up the idea of like doing a campaign as a podcast. And I am very like socially anxious, anxious and nervous and especially when put on the spot. And so my, that had been the first campaign that I had really played through. And so I was extremely nervous about role-playing a character um, because I always have to like overanalyze. You may have noticed I like to overanalyze things and this is like <laughs> a characteristic of Jarrell and it's like something that I do. Um, and so I was kind of like, I'm going to play a character who is basically me in terms of sort of interpersonal um, reactions and sort of how they feel about a lot of things um, with very like with specific differences that I've kind of worked out. Um, and so I think I didn't have a really strong sense of their personality when we started the game. Um, other than I was just kind of going to feel it out and act in a way that felt natural to me and kind of see what emerged. Um, and so in that sense, um, I think it's hard to gauge like did they come across the way I I meant them to because it's like I had a very fluid idea of what that would look like um I would say that the biggest difference from kind of how I sort of anticipated was that I did see them as someone who was very curious and nosy to like an annoying degree and I had a hard time pushing that as far as I would have liked to I I almost wanted Jarrell to be more obnoxious than I feel like Mm. it turned out um, but I was uncomfortable, like, pressing no. people. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> really interesting. Um, it is. Yeah, and so, um, and so, because, like, I see Jarell as someone who's very gregarious and it doesn't have a lot of barriers about, like, um, pestering people, but I feel very uncomfortable about that sort of thing. And so I've been kind of uh, reasoning it to myself um, in a way of, like, they're in a very unfamiliar situation with very unfamiliar people when they're used to being around a lot of people they know very well. And so it's maybe taking them some time to come out of their shell as I sort of become more comfortable with pushing Jarrell to places that I wouldn't usually go. Um, the basic concept that I had when I came up with Jarrell as a character, I sort of had um, Candace had given us some sort of prompts to work from in terms of how to create our characters. And I had this, essentially this idea of someone who seemed very innocuous and kind of nerdy and, and what have you, but who was maybe working on things or like after something that was not so innocuous. And so I was very much thinking about 
things like Jurassic Park, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Newt Geisler in Pacific Rim, like the kind of mad scientist kind of vibe, but with like a much friendlier, more innocent sort of face to it. Yeah. I think that hasn't really been something that's come forward in this arc yet, just because they haven't really had an opportunity to go very far with it. But that that was the basic idea I started with. I think mm-hmm. that's true of almost all of our characters. Mm-hmm. Like, And the listeners will notice this as well. There are hints about what our characters are actually doing in this first arc, but most of it hasn't actually come to the forefront. Like maybe, uh, maybe Cyrus, maybe Dan's character has had the most sort of like, what is his character after yep. um, in this arc? But even, even there, there are still secrets to be discovered and, and character development to occur. So, Candace, it's obviously hard for you to talk about characters in the same way. You have a lot of characters, too. <laughs> you, you have a lot of characters in the Just pile. so many NPCs. Yeah. So when I was like, this will be a great idea. I'll set the entire game in one city. I did not anticipate that I would need to create all of the inhabitants of this city. <laughs> What was that process like then doing it on the fly? <laughs> um, the uh, what did I start with and what did I actually end up doing? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess a little background to the campaign world in general is it's a continuation of a campaign world that I built in college. Um, and Mithrin is a microcosm of that but far in the future from what the campaign was from college. And uh, actually, when I pitched the podcast to all of y'all, I was like, do you want to play the idea that I have that's set in one place or one that's like globetrotting? Um, And everyone voted for uh, the one place. And so that's how we got Mithrin. The way I write games is that I think of the big ideas and then I fill in the details as they become relevant. Um, A lot of the nitty gritty details of Mithrin, like individual names of people you meet throughout the day, get filled in as it happens. Um, Big idea NPCs and events already existed. Yeah, so basically the campaign in a very real way is exactly what you expected it to be because you tempered your expectations and didn't like, <laughs> didn't fill them in in a, in a big way <laughs> yes. um, until they were coming up anyway. I know that I should never have my heart set on something very specific. <laughs> All right. We had a lot of questions about things tangential to our characters like one of the more interesting ones that also has to do with the fandom at large um is if our pcs or candace choose an npc let's choose landon actually (laughs) if our pcs and or landon were part of a hogwarts house what house would it be I'll preface this by saying I'm not personally a huge Harry Potter fanboy. I have read the books, though. Um, I have 
my ideas and i of course have ideas about what arden would be but that's not really very fun so i'm going to start out by saying that i think vim is a hufflepuff what do you know that the 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 oh god true nerdy reason why are you about to cite the deep lore? Uh, so is the it the proximity of the kitchen? Common room. Yes. I was so going to say, no, no, no. Here, listen, right hear me out. Hear me out. Vim, <laughs> as a first year, not knowing that they're by the kitchens, goes into Gryffindor, but then makes okay. friends with all the Hufflepuffs once she finds <laughs> out. So that she has a reason to go down there. <laughs> We know Vim is a Hufflepuff, but yes, that seems to be universal. (laughs) I'm making big X motions with my arms. Gryffindor for Vim all the way. Jarell might be the easiest one. Jarell is Ravenclaw. 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 See, this is where I'm going to dissent a little bit. It could be Hufflepuff, maybe. But probably Ravenclaw. I mean, based on the way that you said you wanted Jarell to be, I would say... Ravenclaw as well, but one thing when we were recording, I felt like Jarell has, in a lot of ways, the strongest sense of justice out of the group. Um, so I'm going to put. I think Jarell would be a Gryffindor, huh? Even though they're they're kind of anxious and don't rush into things, uh, in my view, they're one of the most heroic characters in the. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Like, they're the one that wants to save people. Very Neville Longbottom. They're the one who had most of the ideas about, like, doing good for the right reason. And that seems to be sort of one of the hallmarks of a Gryffindor. That is true. That's interesting, because mm. that's definitely not a way... Well, I don't know. I, I see Jarella as someone who is... It's hard to tell. They mostly just care about them and theirs, but it's hard to tell because almost everyone they meet is theirs now. <laughs> <laughs> See, in in canon, Jarell spends the first three years at Hogwarts in Ravenclaw, and then and then transfers to Slytherin. Wow! Can you even do that? I don't think so. I have no idea. Uh, we've got three more characters. Cyrus, Landon, and Ar- Cyrus is, I actually, I'm 50-50 on the fence, either Gryffindor or Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff for Cyrus. House. Hmm. Oh, true. Hufflepuff. <laughs> <I> actually, <laughs> it's, it's more fun for me to say, so I'm going to say Hufflepuff. Here's my thing. I actually would have put Cyrus in Ravenclaw, because, like, what? I feel like this whole what? adventure now is, like, kind of, like, like he's really into this for a specific reason but he spent most of his life like studying plants and like learning all about them and you know what i mean like he he was like the man of knowledge in his hometown but that was also like being this being the biggest fish in a kiddie pool is not like a big accolade like i was the smartest guy in Bogberg. like it's (laughs) i think you're you're taking me wrong here it's like for most of his life that was what he was interested in doing was like learning his craft and studying it and like gaining like growing this wealth of knowledge i mean i listened to episode zero just the other day and the exact words were 
Osiris Sassafras casually slipped into the role of the town apothecary. Yeah. The word casually <laughs> slipped in doesn't make me feel like I studied hard to get that crap. I'm not saying I'm not saying I don't think he would be Gryffindor cuz I do. But I'm just saying I would put him in Ravenclaw before I'd put him in Hufflepuff. I'm just picking Hufflepuff because it sounds. You just like you just like butterscotch and shit because it sounds funny. (laughs) Your opinion is is like very phonetic. So Landon is obviously a Gryffindor, and I don't think there's any debate about that. Sadly, I might have chosen a bad character for you. Maybe I should have chosen Rowan instead. I was just like the character that was uh, Rowan's Rowan's Slytherin. No, no, well, no are ambition. you saying, well, because oh, ambition. he was ambitious. He, like, stuck with me. Mm. Oh, my mm. God. Yeah. It's not about being evil. It's yeah. about your ambition and what yes. you're willing to do to do see it for- through. Arden. Yes, yeah. Quit dodging, Arden. What are you? I would put Arden in... Arden's a Ravenclaw. The thing here's the thing with Arden, and I'm in, I feel embarrassed saying this. Arden is the one who I have the hardest time pinning down what his motives are, and I mean not in terms of like what he's after, but what his personal motivation is. <clears throat> but I can see him in Ravenclaw. I can see him in Arden is another one that spends their first two years in Ravenclaw and then transfers to. I think. Wow. Sort of these transfers. You can't transfer people, Candace. I don't think that's a thing in British schools. <laughs> I think sorting people would like transfer people if I want sorting to. Sorting hat doesn't up and change its mind. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't crawl around the floor searching for people and jumping onto their heads and being like, Oh yeah, I made a mistake. Although that would have been an interesting twist on the story. Yeah, that would have been. In a scene, attempts to avoid the sorting hat as it crawls about the hallways <laughs> of oh, <God>. Hogwarts. And- <laughs> like, a, like an alien face. Lest they be resorted into a different house. My fan uh, canon is that once the sorting, sorting hat is on Arden's head, it does that Harry Potter quibble quabble. It's like, oh, you could be a Ravenclaw. You could be a, a Slytherin. And Arden's like, put me in Slytherin. <laughs> 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 Arden gets annoyed at people who have too much ambition. He'd probably be like, That's true. Put me in Ravenclaw so That's I don't true. need to deal with all of those other Slytherin schmucks. All right. Anyway, a connected question that we got is uh, is who would play our characters in movies? Uh, like, what actors would play each of our characters in a Little Realms movie? And I'm going to just let the listeners know, because I'll let you all know, this wasn't a question that I was going to ask initially, but you were all having such like a lively conversation about it in chat before we actually started that I, I kind of feel like I have to. We would have revolted. It was like the meta around it that was emerging, because, well, well, here's my thing. I'm really bad with actors. I don't know a lot Me of actors. too. I am so bad at recognizing people in TV and film that Dan routinely accuses me of being face blind. <laughs> um, I do have one for Jarrell, but but for me, the interesting question was becoming like as I was Google imaging, image searching things like stoic actors in their twenties. So it was more <laughs> like, what do I feel like are the quintessential like things that I would want to capture in this character? For Arden, it would be mm-hmm. they would have to have like a bang on like deadpan are you fucking kidding me expression like yes 
Like, <laughs> if they couldn't, if they couldn't nail that, yeah. then <laughs> names, names. Who did you pick? Me? No, for Arden. I found this guy in IMDb who I'm so sorry. I don't know his name. It's it was hard to pronounce. He played um, Han Solo in the new like solo movie. Alden Ehrenreich. Ehrenreich. So I just saw like the first his photo on IMDb is him just like looking at the camera like, are you kidding me? And I was like, ah, yes, that is an Arden expression. And I feel like Arden would have to be like kind of pretty and kind of pointy and with a kind of like <sighs> kind look of pretty, on her face. Kind of pointy and kind of with a. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be my criteria for Arden. <laughs> Arden definitely has the most noble features of the group. I picked Keanu Reeves, but specifically Keanu in the in the Matrix. Young Keanu. After he's figured out he's the one, because before <laughs> before he's kind of like flaky and confused. But Arden has this like I know what's going on, and so does Keanu after he's the one. He's just like, yeah, yeah. this inner peace, the conviction. conviction. Like that's that's my Arden. He's always certain he's right. <laughs> yes. I had a really hard time with Cyrus. I didn't come up with one for Cyrus. Um, my hard time with Cyrus was that I I was... Ha- well, A, again, I don't know actors. I was really having a hard time thinking of older actors. And I was having a really hard time thinking of, like, older actors who weren't white. Um, but especially ones who were... Had the... I don't know. Like, you... I feel like Cyrus has this very, like, character actor quality about him. Where, uh, what's that one goofy guy? The goofy looking guy. Talking about Steve Buscemi? Yeah. Yeah. Not Steve Buscemi himself, but like that vibe of like someone who like is immediately recognizable. And like, that's the kind of actor I would look for, for Cyrus. If Steve Buscemi slummed it up even more, I could imagine him in in like a Cyrusy role. He might even be a little bit too young right now. I feel like that's going to be the case with any actor. Yeah, I mean, ideally, I would want like an older Bollywood actor to play Cyrus because that's the definitely the the most aesthetic skin tone I was going for. But just for the actors that I do know, I just picked sir ian mckellen because he's got a when, if you google pictures of that guy with a beard he's got a very cyrus look to him mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we need gandalf to play radagasta brown that's that's uh <laughs> that's cyrus right there for vam just purely in terms of just facial features and kind of the look in the eyes my immediate thought was olivia wilde just because she's kind of got those like I don't know, eyes that are always kind of have a smirk in them a little bit for me. Yeah. So have y'all seen The Good Place? No. I haven't watched it yet. No, not even one episode. I know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the I was I I'm like Nikki, I don't know actors or actresses. I can never remember their names. But I was in the kitchen making tacos today and it hit me. I would have Jamila Jamil play Vim. She plays Tahani oh, on The Good Place. I love Jamil. She's a rock star. She's an amazing character actress, or not even character actress. She's an amazing, like, her comedic time is so good. She's also huge. She's yeah. like five and a half, um, or five foot, ten and a half feet tall. Um, she just, she looks amazing with straight across bangs, which is what Vim has. Mm-hmm. Um 
She's oh. just a fantastic actress. Um, I think she also has yeah. like the fun playfulness. Jarrell. I have one for Jarrell. I picked but I Tilda Swinton for Jarrell. Tilda Swinton. She's got a very... Uh, Ooh, like a short Tilda Swinton. Yes. You Who's see, that? That's the only flaw in my pick, oh. is that she is 5'10", so we need to like do some Hobbit-like cinematography to make her look shorter. But uh, huh. <laughs> she's, she's very androgynous. She's super intelligent, and she looks fragile, but literally every role she plays in, she's a total badass. Interesting. This is yeah. a very different look than I would have gone for. Who's your pick? My pick is Bex Taylor Klaus. And I, I actually have not seen them act on screen. I'm actually most familiar with them as the voice actor for Pidge or uh, the Green oh, Paladin Pidge. in, oh, in Voltron. Oh, uh, Legendary. Yes. Pidge um, yes. has kind of a little bit of the vibe that I was going for, the kind of like bright and friendly but like kind of headstrong and like very chattery you know yeah that i was going yes. for yes um and bex oh, actually has a lot of like the facial structure and kind of the look that i was going for with jarell when i started drawing them yeah that is a a good pick but yeah moving along from that unless candace did you have did you have any actors in mind that you just needed to get in there for any of the npcs i did some furious googling before we recorded um judy dench or judy is either judy dench or meryl streep probably what? meryl really i i They're so you regal. know Judy can be Judy. regal. Judy is not regal, Candace. I'm sorry. <laughs> but they're also both very good character actors. Like, you can ask either of those actresses to play anything, and they will be able to do it. That's true. Um, and then for Indigo is a actor named Colin O'Donohue, and he is from Once Upon a Time. Oh, I love that. Oh, interesting. Uh, Hook is a thirst trap. Thank you for entertaining our, our <laughs> movie name drop question. Are all of us stumbling <laughs> to be like, who is any actor that who exists? Who is that? <laughs> yeah. We know um, media. So before moving on to our flubs and challenges and the like there is one more sort of fun question that we got which i think we've all pretty much answered so this might be a short one which is who is your favorite npc and why and to take it off of the table we all know that we love chakota chakota not a good answer you have to choose somebody else i like, I like that <laughs> caveat yeah, so mine mine is obviously, uh, I said it before when I was talking about Arden, is Judy. I think Judy is wonderful. I, I love it whenever she appears on screen. Uh, I think that she's a riot. <laughs> so, oh, I'm so glad <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of things, uh, Marin is, is nicely mysterious. I like her because you can tell she's bad, but you can't tell how. It's so hard because it's like you like different NPCs for different reasons. I would You say, can have multiple favorites. Yeah, oh, no, I do. I would say purely in terms of aesthetic, Yotam is probably my favorite. 
Um, I did a little drawing of him. I love his outfit and his whole, like, weird, janky, um, kind of goth trying too hard aesthetic. I, I just really enjoy that look. He's very Rufio. Yeah, he's very Rufio, and, and I, I dig it. Um, my favorite NPC to interact with is actually N. It's, it's happened some up to this point, but, um, I think N is someone like Jarl's known her for a long time, and it, it's someone that they can interact with her in a more honest way, I think. They can be a little more straightforward and a little more themselves than they usually would in this, like, really unfamiliar situation. And so there's, like, almost another level of comfortableness when I'm talking to N as Jarrell. Um, so I always enjoy those scenes. Mine will be short. I'm going to piggyback off Adam. Uh, but for different reasons. I love Judy. But mostly because I'm just a su- I'm a sucker for character voices. <laughs> I think Candace's character voice for Judy is fantastic. And uh, but oh I, will my say, God. I will say though, if she was a major reoccurring character, I would probably fucking hate her. <laughs> like she is cologne. She is great in small doses, oh but with that Gilbert Gottfried shriek she has, like I I I think I would hate it after a while. <laughs> the last thing I'll say about Judy is she is so far the most pervy NPC in the game, and Cyrus is probably one of the perviest PCs in the game. And <laughs> the listeners do in see in arc two, they eventually do meet. <laughs> <laughs> Which we were all looking forward to, and it was great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think my favorite character, or rather my favorite NPC, is pretty easy. I really like Indigo. I I really love a interesting antagonist character, the sort who drives a party to action. And I think Candace has done a really good job painting this character who, like, I personally love to hate. Um, <laughs> and kind of towing that that fine, fine line between a character you, you find interesting and you want to see more of versus, like, ah, get him off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all of us, right? Other than uh, you, Candace? I... I do not want to reveal my personal favorite NPC because I do not want to influence any PC character decisions. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> she yeah. So <laughs> we could obviously keep talking forever about, you know, creation of our characters, our characters and the like. Uh, but there are other interesting things to talk about. Uh, specifically, um, you know, a little bit about how we played our characters still, but a little bit about making the podcast in general, and even more specifically about how things went wrong. (laughs) Um, so I, I am going to pose this question to Candace first, because... Of all of us, you're the one that is most likely to experience things going wrong. So <laughs> so we're going to start out with the, the question here. Like, when everything doesn't turn out how you wanted it to, what do you do? Um, okay. And are there any times where you needed to, like, on the fly, quickly change things during the game? Or were all of the twists sort of things that you could deal with after the fact? Oh, my God. So episode five, uh, we started the session of recording with me interacting with Adam and narrating 
this dream that Arden has related to the forest. Now, this was early on in character in a like campaign creation. And uh, like I said, I work in big ideas. So I had big ideas about the forest. But then after I gave Arden the dream, Arden talks to the rest of the party and they're like, golly gee, we're going to go into the forest. (laughs) And me on the back end simultaneously had two thoughts. Oh, fuck, they're going into the forest. I didn't write anything for this. And two, of course they're fucking going into the forest. You gave them a mysterious dream. What the fuck did you think they were going to (laughs) do? So... Because we were all, because you mentioned afterward to us that you weren't expecting that. And I remember being so surprised. Like, oh, really? I thought that's what you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, it worked out really well in the end because episode five was a good place to introduce the, the forest stuff. So if you are an aspiring dm and are listening to this (laughs) don't be afraid to ablib an entire encounter and then have to write the rest of two arcs out of that ad-libbed encounter (laughs) as long as you have the overarching idea it will work out well, and also you're like a very skilled storyteller, so not not to discourage anyone, just to say you handled it very gracefully. Surprising. We enough. never knew that it was a problem. Not to get you guys away from that, but um, we had to run with and redo almost an entire episode oh, because we forgot to start recording. Um, oh, that's that, that thing. Different. That's a different thing than I was yeah. thinking. Okay, about. Well, let's talk about it since he opened this can of worms. Every podcast has it, and you know the the general wisdom is that you don't acknowledge it. But this is a Q and A episode, and we can acknowledge everything. Yeah, um, and I think this is helpful to anyone who's doing their own podcast, like knowing that this happened and having to deal with it and i will say that while we were doing it uh dan master of editing made it sound better but we did not handle it well at all i don't think that's true i think think that's no i think we kind of crushed it so we i think we did i think we really did yeah about 45 minutes to maybe an hour and a half into recording the scene it was when our characters were i I believe it was when we were beginning the heist heist. yes it was the heist it was like the first half of that heist when we broke into mirna's house so so suddenly there were two pieces to it so the first thing you need to know is that we we so we leave the the ball and then we are getting over the fence and Dan had been drinking (laughs) (laughs) and we were not very far into recording what we we all get one is kind of what we've decided and so Dan drank a little (laughs) and got so trashed he went and lied lay down and told me well Nikki you play Cyrus (laughs) so right after we had gotten over the wall into the grounds we decided okay we're stopping for tonight so we picked up there 
and we got mm-hmm. through the entire Mirne heist, and then we get to the end and realize Budge. we didn't hit record. And and when we realized that we hadn't hit record, we kind of stopped. We had our, our moment of, I, I think, our, our moment of silence for the <laughs> recording that never was. And then mm-hmm. we immediately started kind of writing down, like, okay, what happened? What are the things we liked? And then what we proceeded to do was basically um, kind of just purely role play out that scene and we kind of hit those main story beats we kind of replicated some of the the jokes that we did before that like we all kind of agreed were funny and Mm -hmm. then we also kind of played with some new things kind of within this framework that we had built and we were able Mm -hmm. to really re-record what we had lost We, we were pretty much able to replicate it i think at least from the GM's point of view. Yeah. As far about as hundred like, percent. Yeah. I think, I think it was difficult to like pretend everything was new. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it turned out okay. And then Sarah, did you edit that one or did I, I honestly, you know what? I think I did the rough cut of yeah. that one. Okay. And what, what we did with that is, you know, we cut out all the moments where it was us saying, Oh, what happened the first time. And then mm-hmm. in a lot of cases we decided, you know what? It doesn't need to be exactly like it was the first mm-hmm. time. This is what we're recording, mm-hmm. and as long as we're, smooth. and as long as we're having fun and kind of like hitting some of the main things we liked from that first mm-hmm. time around, um, it worked. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I, I, Arden and Cyrus are polar opposites, but Dan and Adam are, usually agree on things. <laughs> I thought this recording felt like a fucking train wreck. <laughs> it <laughs> because, was not because we had just done like we in terms of like meals we had just served like a rack of lamb and then what we ended up with was like ground lamb like we it was still servable <laughs> and it was tasty but like we <laughs> well, there was a lot of editing and magic done behind the scenes to get this to work mm-hmm. i will say mm-hmm. I, you know i think what was lacking in it was that for us there wasn't an element of surprise and that's one of the things i like about actual plays is that you get those kind of live reactions but in terms mm-hmm. of covering the story and i think sarah did such a like a masterful job of cutting it that i think if you didn't i mean i, I mean i would pitch this to the audience i think if you didn't know it wasn't like obvious what had happened yeah i don't i don't think it was obvious at all yeah, so if you're listening to this audience and you thought it was obvious or was inobvious, <laughs> let us know. We would love we to know, know as well. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think we can talk about in the realm of things that we redid oh, is around episode, episode ten. How do we do nine or nine and ten? I mean, we, uh, I mean, I feel I, like I'll take it on because I feel like a lot of it was because of me. And okay. so essentially really? we had gotten to this point in the story where a lot of things were going on and it was hard to move the plot forward because Everyone we were being secrets. cagey. A lot of people were keeping secrets. We weren't sharing information with each other. And um, and so the we... We played through, so in the actual episode, there's this scene where everyone's in Jarrell's room and just kind of like spills the beans, as as it says in the episode. That is not how the first recording of that scene went. It was not. Um, ev- everyone it was, was very cagey. Jarrell especially was very cagey and reluctant to kind of fess up to things 
And it just led to a scene that was very tense and very confusing. I would say, yeah, uh, yeah, it was awkward. I would say it was unsatisfying in a lot of ways. And so we kind of came out the other side feeling like we didn't really accomplish anything here. The characters are more frustrated with each other and not in a constructive way. And so we ended up talking about it as a group and kind of laying out some of our concerns and being like open with each other. And we were like, let's just replay the entire scene. And we went into it with a plan to, they're like, like uh, Nikki was saying, we all had these secrets and kind of this, this conversation needed to accomplish a lot of things, but mainly it needed to get our characters on the same page and kind of on one team with mm-hmm. each other and also clarity for the audience like because there was a lot going on and and so one of the, one of the things that i did as a gm in the background is i went through and wrote out a document of everything that each character knows so that it's all in one place so that everyone can see it because mm-hmm. you know we we record um at that point we were recording every two weeks and so a lot of the things that happened in like episode three were forgot, not forgotten, but Forgot. not at the forefront of memory by episode 10. And that's not a, a failing of anyone in particular. It's just yeah. time is a yeah. thing. There's a lot going I on. I had personally actually totally forgotten about that. <laughs> but now that you guys mention it, I do remember and I seem to recall that uh, in the second one, I was still just about as cagey with Arden as I had been in the first one. Son of a bitch. So... <laughs> I mean... That tracks with Arden, though. I think one of the other... The, the other thing where... You know what? On the first pass, it was rough. It, like, it was a rough scene to do. But it I was... think ultimately it was a really positive thing to happen. Because what came of it is that um, sessions definitely aren't super planned out. But one of the things that we started doing as a group was communicating a little more about like what we hoped to accomplish and what basically yeah. talking a little bit more about constructive ways to moving the scene forward instead of being cagey with each other as players and frankly as producers of a story. Yeah, because this isn't yeah. like for a home game, it doesn't matter. But if you're trying to produce content for an audience, it kind of does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. and I think from that point on we started a pretty solid um pattern of what we call pre-gaming where we basically just go around the circle and say, "Hey, this is what my character is going to do this game. This is what my character is um intending to do this session." Right. Yeah, so sort of moving on from what we had to redo to things that we didn't have to redo and didn't redo. A question we did get was um, if we could change one thing that we did, what would it be? And I'm going to start out again. Uh, actually, I'm going to start out with Cyrus. I was going to toss this to <laughs> Nikki, but like Cyrus, so many things turned out so badly. Uh, Dan, so many things turned out so badly for Cyrus. Like from a from a perspective of a video gamer, I can think of plenty of things that if I were Cyrus, I wish I could have redone. Maybe like my love for you is like diarrhea. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Uh, but- 
like how do you feel as a player if you could have changed something that you did what would it be okay uh i'll preface this with i am i am not a power gamer in any sense of the word so Mm -hmm. the idea of like getting the most successful outcome means nothing to me i care about story and memorable moments so like all the fucking goofs and spoofs that turned out badly such as my love for you is like diarrhea (laughs) that's a very very bad pickup line (laughs) but like i sometimes i relish in failure but i will say my my biggest failure that i would redo is uh episode 16 tabling the murder we get poofed out of indigo's office and uh, Cyrus, he's kind of like a normal, like, uh, happy-go-lucky adventure seeker guy. He becomes very grim dark. He starts discussing the idea of killing Indigo. And that's kind of like a tone shift for Cyrus. The first time he talks about murdering someone. And I f- he uh, justified it by saying, kind of like a gardening metaphor, like, you have to pluck the weeds out of your garden or else they'll overtake it. And I thought that was a good metaphor to justify this simplistic bumpkin's... Uh, views on murder but i my failure is not following up with that not repeating these like garden metaphors for why he is so flippant or careless about killing bad Ah, people because it it makes interesting it makes cyrus look way more murder hobo than i had intended and I, i that's my biggest failure i feel like i should have like portrayed why he's so simplistic about that Interesting. We do, we do not have a lot of murder hobos or any murder hobos, I think. In no this murder. <laughs> we or have murder. yet to murder anyone. Zero. We, not due could, to lack of trying. I think you could argue that the blacksmith who was killed and strung up in the middle of the town, their blood is kind of on the group's hand because the faceless not. did that <laughs> to kind of start up some shit. And look, our look. characters definitely did a lot to rile them up. <laughs> Look, other people doing bad things in response to us is not our fault. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but it did get the ball rolling. I'm just saying, that that still doesn't qualify as murder hoboism, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, someone mm-hmm. killing yep. someone as a, as a response to something we did isn't us going around indiscriminately no. murdering people. Th- this is a rabbit hole for another question. I want to hear what Yeah, it really is. Let's get back to the... <laughs> Dan is absolutely right. Uh, let's move on then to Sarah. Sarah, you... Vim is a mysterious-ish character in a lot of ways. Everything that she does feels like it's fine. <laughs> um, so it, it's also kind of difficult for me to pick out, like, if I were in your shoes, what one thing I would have changed is. But uh, what's your perspective? You know, I I honestly don't have one for this question. I've I've been pretty pleased, I think, overall, with just the way that our characters have gelled together and how different what each one of us is trying to accomplish in Mithrin is, but the ways Candace has really masterfully tied them together to make a, a cohesive story. So I'm I'm pretty happy so far with how, how things are going. And that leaves uh, you and me, Nikki. For me, Do you this, have anything? Yeah, this is actually an easy question for me. And this was less something that Jarrell did and more something that Nikki did as a player in a panic. Um, when we were fighting that monster in the woods the first time, and was it episode five? Episode yeah. five. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I did, so at that point, one of the decisions I had made with Jarrell 
was that they did not actually have any offensive spells other than a cantrip. And it was a touch-based cantrip. And um, because that was kind of one of my things with Jarrell was that some, they were very sheltered and someone who had never needed such a spell and, you know, had no reason to know a spell that would hurt people um, in that, in a physical way. And so I had not given them any offensive spells. <laughs> and so we were attacked by this creature and I panicked and didn't know what to do. And just kind of as part of the standard piece of character creation, it was like, oh, as a wizard, you have like a, a short bow or something, or maybe it's not, <laughs> I don't remember. And so I kind of like dug that out of my butt and was like, sure, they pull out their bow. The famous, and I was like, the famous Jarrell short bow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just like, and shot at this thing. And like afterward, I regretted having done that because it was like, it was kind of in the moment, I, there was like nothing else that I could think of for them to do. And so I thought I grabbed like the, it was like a murder hobo moment where I just like, they grabbed the first weapon I could think of, even Mm -hmm. though it didn't really make sense Mm -hmm. as a character for them to have it. Um, I haven't pulled it out since. And I've kind of like retconned in my head that it doesn't exist because I'm like, you know, it had really no impact or effect. And it's not a Jarrell thing to do. Like, I don't think they would ever think, oh, I'm going in the woods. I better bring my fucking bow. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, and so yeah, I, wish, I honestly, I wish I had done something where they just didn't not fucking know what to do or like threw a stick at it or something <laughs> like just, just ran away, having them like pull out this weapon that only kind of ephemerally even exists and doesn't really make sense for their character. I like I regret pulling that out, but it was like kind of a panic reaction on my part. That's a great mm. story answer. I love it. That's a good that one. is. Yes, I um. I had actually also forgotten that that bow existed. It I, did, I mean, maybe it's because I wasn't actually part of that encounter, but I did not remember that you had even tried to shoot at that thing or used a bow for any purpose. Mine is uh, also actually might seem really small to our listeners, and it's kind of a it's more uh, an Adam thing than an Arden thing. And I've already talked about it a little bit, but uh, the first time Judy appeared, I wish I could redo that scene because I was so blindsided by it that I kind of froze up in a way that I don't feel like Arden actually would have. And in a way that I think I could probably do a little bit better at now, but, you know, who knows? Maybe I would freeze up just as much if doing it again. Um. And that's what that's most of my things are, are places where it's like, no, Arden wouldn't have frozen up there. I would have. It, it's always been sort of <laughs> tough things to get into. Um, now, that's amazing. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to ask the same question of you, Candace, because it's kind of there might be a million things. There might be no things. Yes, But like you have different decisions to make including like what voices you need to use uh during the podcast um so like on your side if you what is like sort of the hardest thing that you've had to do and then commit to and if you could change it would you 
Oh my goodness. So let me tell you, I would. <laughs> oh, Indigo. I deeply regret choosing a fucking Irish Minnesotan accent that came out of the bowels of the internet because Candace thought it would be a good idea to look at some YouTube videos about how to do accents. <laughs> um, but on a, uh, a more, uh, not serious, but like. Uh, the NPCs that are most opposite from Candace's actual personality are the hardest to do. Um, and so that being characters like Indigo and Marin and Rowan and Myrna, antagonists are hard for me to do because I'm not in an antagonistic person at least I don't think I am <laughs> in my natural state so Candace having to the big, big bad evil guy <laughs> I am the big bad so, so nice. like getting <laughs> so like getting in that head state where I I am the bad guy but I imagine myself as the hero of my own story or I am the antagonist but I'm trying to do the best I can, or I am the antagonist and I know I'm on a downward spiral and I can't do anything about it is challenging for me to get into. Uh, but also accents are hard. <laughs> accents are really hard. One of my accents biggest weaknesses as a GM and a player is character accents i wish i could channel your guys' storytelling ability and just throw in my accents my i wish that i could channel your accents into storytelling my biggest challenge is living with dan and being the sounding board for all the accents (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that one's okay it's just not one that i don't like that one (laughs) Um, I I don't know if this is exactly encompassed in the specific question posed to me, um, but all of the NPCs also uh, grow organically as if they were me playing a PC with Mm. a particular goal in mind. So I hope that doesn't like actually come across in what gets released in the episodes but that's like what's going on in candace's headspace whenever i'm speaking as an npc that's cool yeah as i I said yeah that's great like the best example of that is how uh jakota won the muscle mithrin i do not think you expected that i don't think any of us expected that it just fucking happened It it was meant to be i did not expect that i was rolling like why? I expected Isidra to win. I honestly. To win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of the many things that that <laughs> Cyrus does that turn out very much differently than you wanted them to. <laughs> I I was rolling. I I don't know if this made it into the episode, but I was rolling live for all of the matches, and I had had I had wrote out like rules for how many successes in like three successes in a row or something would win you the match. And so everything was actually live rolled. So Chakota literally won the tournament live rolling me 
behind the screen being, hang on, guys, I'm going to roll two d20s until someone wins. That was, was the amazing. best storytelling because it surprised everyone. <laughs> but it was like yeah. also like every sports movie you've ever seen. <laughs> Right, yeah. where like the underdog beats like the people they're scared. Of. Oh, it was so good. It was so satisfying. So we have like I... adopted this boy, and he's ours now. I I also listened to that episode after the fact, and I had no recollection of anything that happened, <laughs> and I don't really know. I can't believe you had forgotten the source. Maybe that was your one time, and just none of us noticed. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so uh, we are getting it is we are we're running pretty long, uh, but there's one more thing that we want. I wanted to talk about here that I wanted to make sure that we addressed because it's a great question um, and we've already addressed it a little bit in the other questions. And I think as this Q&A goes on, that's just the way it is. Um, but what is the biggest twist? that we've experienced as players, um, as the GM and, uh, how did we adjust to that or Candace, how, how did it throw a wrench into what you had actually planned? And obviously you've already talked about, um, episode five, like clearly, clearly, um, that is a sort of big twist, a wrench that was thrown into your plans. (laughs) Uh, but for for any of us, does anyone do any of you have anything that like you really felt was a big twist that you needed to uh, react to? And and how did you adjust? Building on what Candace said, she's we all have strengths and weaknesses as players and and as storytellers. Like she mentioned, antagonist characters are not her strong suit. So like I wasn't twisted by by Rowan because he was like the first suspicious guard we encountered I think in episode three he started like yeah he really was scoping us oh, out yeah. while we were in the temple so I'm like alright this guy's the bad guy <laughs> it turned out <laughs> he was the bad guy <laughs> so that there was wasn't... intentional I promise <laughs> so that wasn't the twist but that's fine because the story was fucking great for me it's it's Arden goddamn Arden like I thought in, <laughs> in episode uh, episode five you have a tree dream and, like, we get attacked by a monster, and I, Cyrus Sassafras spits spores on Arden, or on the monster, and it turns out to be Arden. So I, Dan was like, all right, Arden is a monster. He's got some weird backstory. I'm going to learn later on that he's a monster. But then, Wait, the spores? That's why you thought the monster turned into Arden? I did. Oh, I'm, my God. I'm a dumb dog. I made that connection. <laughs> but, like, episode 18, Arden has another tree dream. And there is n- not a single monster reference in it whatsoever. He's just like, I'm going to get a magic sword from this tree. And I'm, and I started doubting myself. I'm like, wait a second. Everything I thought was a lie. <laughs> so that was my twist, partly because I am dumb. I'm not a good, st- I'm not a good guesser, but, uh, I, I, Arden just confuses me because he's just I, I, he's so opposite. Cyrus. I, can't, I can't ping him. That's amazing. Dan. I Dan, I wish to share with you. I'm trying to find the page. There is a note somewhere in my DM's notes. That's oh, where is it? It's written and it says, "Oh shit, they think Arden's the monster." <laughs> yeah, 
I'm pretty sure no. Cyrus oh, is Oh, that would have been an awesome twist. I would have loved that to find out that Cyrus has been a monster all along. Dan thought oh that. God. I definitely never... Okay. I thought you were joking when you said Cyrus thought no, that. Oh, I did. Both Cyrus and Dan were convinced, like, Arden's a monster. Oh, man. That's amazing. It's going to be crazy. For me, I think the biggest oh moment that really just threw me for a loop while playing was when Jarell and Arden are in the library and I'm like going through the newspapers and find the picture of Witherhite slash Indigo and recognize this guy who's supposedly dead from like having seen him in Vim's mind. I was so thrown like it like my head wasn't even there. I was thinking about the forest stuff. I didn't I think at that point I we hadn't met Indigo and I didn't really know who nope. this person was. Except that I had like secretly seen that Vim is supposed to li- that Vim knows about him, and I was just so thrown for a loop and like didn't really know what to do. And at the time, I was just like, I mean, still even I'm like, you know, it, a lot of Jarrell's reactions in the moment are very much mapped from my reactions in the <laughs> moment, and so I think Jarrell is just kind of like, what? <laughs> oh my goodness! And, and that so- was because I was just like what <laughs> i don't know what to do with this information like oh something's goodness, going on amazing. here but this was like totally out of left field for me and like i didn't even know what to think like wait i don't know who this person is except i thought they were dead and so just like Vim know this dead oh, guy that's... but maybe i'm assuming i i had been assuming he was still alive i don't know the whole thing oh, was just like i had no idea what to so think. that's so good that's so good so, so i, I want to interject for behind the dm screen at that point like in the next couple of episodes i was like huh the pcs need to figure out that indigo is wither height how is this gonna happen and then jarell went into the library and looked back through newspapers and i was like of course wither height's gonna be in the newspaper there you Mm -hmm. go no that's good some organic and it worked out nice job and it worked out so, so mine is also tied to Indigo. Uh, I think my biggest surprise as you we were playing is when, or how do I phrase that? So when me and Candace were kind of working on the details of Vim and why she was coming to Mithrin and pulling together some character background stuff, mm-hmm. I told Candace, you know, what if Vim owes a favor to someone in Mithrin, but she doesn't know who it is, which is kind of a part of some cosmic joke on her. And Candace goes, that sounds perfect. I can work with that. Or <laughs> is there, and she goes, is, is there anything else you have in mind for this character? And I was like, honestly, you know, no, I think, I think that'll be a fun thing to kind of let you loose on and to discover over the course of the game. <laughs> so we finally get, we get to that scene where, Jarell is describing the face they saw in the paper, and Vim recognizes it as the picture of the man she's looking for that her friend had given her. And at that moment, I think I messaged Candace in like a private DM and said, Is this who I think this is? <laughs> and she just put, Yep. And I was like, Holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> Like I, I never would have, you know, picked out the leader of a criminal organization <laughs> as the one who uh, my character gets kind of bound to. 
but I I couldn't have been happier with how Candace played that. Oh my goodness. Her laughs tell it all. Um, yeah, for me, it actually came right at the end of the season. Uh, I, as Arden, I I am a man of uh, carefully laid plans, not of <laughs> sudden explosions into melee at a at a at a play uh, during anything like that. So when that happened, I was like, "Well, this is not how I planned this com- this confrontation to go," which is silly because I'm not the GM; I'm just a player. It was probably exactly how Candace had expected the confrontation to go. And it makes perfect sense for Mirne being the total moron that he is, that that's exactly how it would go. But it, it really threw it threw me for a loop. And I'm, I'm not sure I, I can say though, that I adjusted to it. I just kind of had to go with the flow because that's the way it was happening. Um, <laughs> And I was like, how does Arden contribute to this? Because, like, yeah. Sorry, Adam. I, I've, oh, I've li- literally listened to the finale, like, five times. Arden states at one point, you guys are just overreacting. <laughs> <laughs> We're all, like, getting ready for battle, and Arden's like, well, you guys are just, like, way too... See, that's one of the things I did not expect it. I did not expect a battle <laughs> there. Oh, see, I ex- I very much, like, as a player, I was expecting a, a battle. Jarrell, as a character they didn't want a battle and we're not expecting one. And so that was like a fun, it's funny to me that is kind of almost the opposite for, for Arden and Adam. Yeah. Battles are, battles are something that you prepare for you. They don't just get sprung on you like that. <laughs> I mean, obviously they do. That's and I amazing. do it to players all the time when I'm GMing, but yeah, it really, for some reason that just caught me totally by surprise. The oh, that's amazing. The final battle with, that I found very entertaining in general was that really, cause I listened to it several times as well while cutting it. And it's basically like Cyrus starts a fight and all the other player, all the other characters spend half the fight not fighting or like trying to yeah. like basically yeah. remove yeah. players from the fight. Everyone's <laughs> true to their character. Arden acts very reasonable and rational and goes to like dissuade um, the end, the uh, mercenary. What's her name? Yeah, Isidra. Isidra. He's like, hey, why are you doing this? <laughs> Do you really want to be involved in this losing battle? Everyone knows he's guilty. So, like, it's so on point with Arden. It, Vim it really is, is. Pure chaos. And, <laughs> and, and it's just, like, lying out of her teeth. And, and like, just... Uh, actually, not even lying. You're just acting. Like, you're just sowing seeds of doubt among all the other soldiers that Myrne is a piece of shit. And doing it in the most fun, bombastic way possible. Just total Vim. Jarell, it's so good. Jarrell, ever the, the worry wart, is like worried about the NPC of Victor, more so Victor's daughter, and is trying to make sure they're safe. And then when things finally like go buck wild, Jarrell, the inner badass, shows up and saves the day. And Cyrus okay. is a total turd and is like, I'm gonna fight! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Candace, are there any huge twists other than the forest thing that threw a wrench into your plans? Um, I guess the the other... I don't know if it was like throw a wrench into my plans, but the 
the scene that I had the most anxiety over or the most, not anxiety because, but like worry about how it was going to turn out in the edit was actually the first scene in which the, the party encounters Indigo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Like I was convinced that me as a DM had shat the bed <laughs> with that. <laughs> But I messaged everyone and I was like, hey, are you cool with the indigo scene? And everyone was like, yeah, it seems good to me. And I was like, okay. Yeah, it was funny. Hmm. I guess it was. Yeah. And we're going to keep going forward with that. We're all our biggest yeah, no, critics. He, yeah. He, yeah. He was super fine. And I, I remember the way that left off was with Bendigo. Like everyone starts to head off, kind of, and then. Indigo so brilliantly says uh, to them, do you want the others here for our conversation? And mm-hmm. she just looks at him and says, no, I don't. And that's the end of the episode, isn't yeah. it? That's yeah, where it we is. cut that episode off, too. Yeah. And that was that was so good, Candace. I remember it is. private messaging Candace or maybe even like public messaging. Like for me, I didn't appreciate Rowan half as much as I appreciate Indigo as a villain. Like. Indigo is just so goddamn complicated. Well, Indigo is a more serious villain, too. And too. I just love everything about him as a villain. So, like, I, I love the way you've handled him so far. Oh, good. <laughs> and that is actually getting us pretty close to uh, the end of this Q&A. But there is one other sort of um, group of things that we got questions about. And I don't think... We need to spend a whole lot of time on these. Uh, but people, of course, want to know what we can expect from Little Realms over the next arc. Um, they also want to know a lot about uh, what other sorts of things we're doing. Like, have we considered having guests on our show? Have we been guests on other shows? And so I thought that we'd talk a little bit about that generally, starting out with uh, the big question on people's minds and the question that sort of our recap and this Q&A sort of are venturing towards, which is what can people expect from Little Realms over the next start? Without being too spoilery, uh, of course, I will say that... um, well, do we want to say the the entire next arc has been recorded? Yes. <laughs> if we don't want yep. to say that, that can be cut out. No, but fine. you can. But I... one thing that you can expect is is a particularly touching scene between Cyrus and Arden. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's as much as I'm going to go in with that. So, oh, what so would you good. tell people they can expect, uh, Nikki? Let's start with you. I think one of the things that begins to characterize this next arc for me is that there for me at least one of the things that really stood out um was that there starts to be a little more um tension between the characters not not so much in terms of like arguments or any well i i won't get into details but it becomes to be more apparent that there are fundamental disagreements between some of the characters in terms of their worldviews and their priorities and kind of what they think is important. Um, and that starts to 
I think it's going to kind of continue to ramp up, but it, it, mm-hmm. it definitely in this next arc um, begins to sort of show itself in a way that I found both stressful just as a person, because I'm like a very non-confrontational person, but th- that I found interesting narratively and very, um, I, w- I was very excited to, and still am excited to kind of dig my teeth into. All right. Uh, Sarah. Mm-hmm. What is uh what in your view is something that people can look forward to from Little Realms over the next arc? Ooh, I think everything Nikki just said I can't echo enough. I think it gets more interesting as our, our characters get kind of deeper into their own reasons for being in Mithrin. And so for Vim, she is we're gonna see her desperately trying to become less tangled with Indigo. And instead, the opposite is going to happen. So we're we're going to see a, a lot of my favorite character, who's an NPC <laughs> in the next season. All right, Dan. <laughs> this might be all cut out. <laughs> um, just character centric. I think Adam made the point earlier that Cyrus was probably the most fleshed out character of our party in season. And sorry, in arc one. Uh, and I think that's true because I built a very hot flash character and everyone else had a slow burning campaign character. And so in, in arc two, you're going to see whether or not I can turn Cyrus into a slow burn <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> whether or, not, or whether or not you get a new character. <laughs> All right. And uh, Candace, what would you tell people to expect over the next arc? Sum it up in one sentence, six words or less. Boy, more character work is revealed slowly. That's six words. I think that that does a great job of encompassing it. And uh, for the rest of it, you're just going to need to listen to the next arc. Hell yeah. You know, it's going to come out. Uh, I think we're all happy with it. And Mm -hmm. we hope that you will all... Enjoy it. Um, if you're just picking up Little Realms for the first time, like with our recap, we hope that you love it. If you've been listening to us from the beginning or if you went back and listened to us, uh, we hope that you continue loving it. Um, <laughs> so the last thing uh, that we wanted to talk about were things that kind of have to do with other podcasts. People wondered uh, whether we had guested on other podcasts, whether we play elsewhere like at conventions and um the way these questions were posed were always like would you consider doing that which leads me to believe that our listeners don't know that at least two of us already do dan sarah you have both done this before um so like where can people find you if if they want to see more of your characterization of things like what has been your experience guesting on other podcasts and playing um, at conventions and, and elsewhere. Sarah, why don't you go first? Cause you've got a, a, a deep, really solid D and D one that you've been building up for a while. It seems like. Oh, uh, or RPG, yeah, sorry. no, no, no. Yeah. So I currently uh, play D and D live on Twitch on the Scraticus Academy Twitch channel. 
It's a great community that's geared towards kind of welcoming in new role players, people who either have never played D&D before at all and being just a welcoming community to help teach and kind of extend a hand to folks who need help. But also for folks who maybe you've been playing for a long time and you've but you've never played online before, you've never played live before and kind of building a place where people can grow and learn and be really encouraging. So I play Monday evenings on the channel in a game called Doors of Dunera. That's super duper fun. It's um, it's just it's a lot of fun. I've been enjoying that. And that, that's kind of the main other place where I'm playing D&D right now. For me, I am a a, uh, a periodic guest on the LCP D&D Discord. Uh, they do weekly games on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, we record Little Realms on Fridays, so I tend to show up on their Monday games. I'm I'm hoping that I get to do a one shot with some other D&Ds. Like I listen to so many podcasts, and I try to network with everyone. So I'm really looking forward to expanding. Uh, my RPG gaming time with other other crews and other podcasts in the future. I hadn't been thinking about this because it's not D&D, but Candace and I actually, or and Dan as well. Candace, Dan, and I um, were on a one-shot episode of D4 on the Floor, which they're a really great uh, D&D podcast. Um, check them out. But we played Shadowrun with yeah. them, and Candace actually played Judy in that, <laughs> or a version of Judy in that in that one. And I was her like angry lesbian ex, and yes, <laughs> Dan was like the space cadet uh, shaman. It was it was a good time. Hello. They were really um, <laughs> patient with our antics, and we had a really amazing time with them. Um, so definitely check out the Shadowrun one shot, but also D four more generally. Yeah, it's actually posted on the D four on the floor. Uh- Channel. channel so if you find them on podcatcher or podbean or wherever you find your podcast cool so yeah i hope that answers uh in a more general sense people's questions about guesting and they also i believe we got a question about guest stars in our shows and i think it's enough to say that we have considered it that it raises some difficulties uh but keep an eye out in the future it's mm-hmm. not impossible. Mm-hmm. And I think that more or less brings us to the end of this Q&A. Did any of you have anything pressing that you really wish that we covered that I didn't ask about? Two things. I I want to know everyone's ships. <laughs> Nikki from mm-hmm. Totacast, which also a really amazing... Nikki is an amazing person. Not me, other, other Nikki. Other Nikki. Um, from <laughs> Top of the Round. I'm also amazing, obviously, but Nikki is something else. Um, Top of the Round, really amazing D&D podcast. Check it out. But she asked about shipping <laughs> or like, who do we uh, see together romantically? And my ship is hashtag Vanden. I love Ben and Landon <laughs> together. <laughs> Makes me so happy. <laughs> but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. It's, it's fun. I I enjoy it. It's it's like it's the kind of thing you go into a game not planning and not expecting at all. And it but it's so much fun. She's so chaotic and he's so straight laced, like it's just a ship made in heaven. He's not straight-laced. <laughs> he supported mutiny. I mean, he's 
pretty by he the He didn't point. know what to do, and the first thing he did was go to these, like, fucking chaos gremlins that he came to Mithrin with instead of the, is, his boss. He is the order to, to Vim's chaos, and she is the chaos to his order. That's sort of true. But I think he's uh, kind of chaotic, too. That's oh my good. goodness. I'm a just of, smiling. A part of me uh, has always shipped Rowan and Myrne. <laughs> oh, that's... Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. That was a point of discussion early on. Ships aside, I thought that was going to be canon for yeah. most of the first arc. Yeah, yeah, for better and for worse, they're like that toxic relationship that just kind of like can't shake each other, but maybe they also... They either don't know how or don't want to, mm-hmm. and they're just—they're just so awful. But they yeah. also deserve each other in a way. Yeah, it's like it's uh, not a healthy relationship, but it's no. just like you just see that ship sinking from a mile off, and you go, "Ooh, fuck!" But watch through your binoculars, like, "Oh man, how is this gonna?" Especially when we mask. found out that Rowan was living on the same grounds that he had his little—what did I call it mm-hmm. in the, in the player hut. chat? The slut hut. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Rowan's slut hut. In Mirne's backyard, I was like, this might be a thing. But then it turned out that Mirne only has eyes for horses. Correct. <laughs> Which, your kink is not my kink, and that's okay. My, but it was still very fun. My ship is, uh, I mean, I, canonically, I I love Cyrus and Bullvine. I mm-hmm. hope one day they get reunited with hashtag Bullrus. But <laughs> I, if I had to pick one that wasn't the obvious, Bandon, I'm going to say... Yo, Tom and Jarrell. Oh! They, got, they got something going on. Huh. They do. Hashtag that is an interesting one. Hashtag Yotam. Yotam. That's just his name. Damn it. Hashtag Jotam. Jotam. Oh my god. Jortam. Jotam. No comment. <laughs> we. I would love to bring Yotam back more in the future. Um, I definitely... I aesthetic. I enjoy them together aesthetically. I would love to play them more together. And maybe, <laughs> maybe Arden likes the Cougars. Maybe Arden and uh, Judy are. <laughs> no, that that sadly, <laughs> if if there is a ship to be had with Arden and somebody, it is not Arden and Judy. <laughs> Who would it be in 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 your opinion? In my opinion, I have to say that it would either be Arden Isidra or Arden Yelchin. I see Arden Sidra. Oh, I like, I like that. Mm. I like Arden. Are you ready to adopt three brats? Or, or wait, <laughs> I mean, no, I we don't... don't know about that yet, do we? Well, we kind of do. Yeah, I think that's uh, going to be like the next episode. So, slight spoiler warning. <laughs> if they listen to the this, fact. good for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, they, if you listened this long, good for them. Thank you, Adam. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and you. yeah, that brings us to a close on this Q&A. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Keep on listening. We have great things in store for you, we hope. Um, And (laughs) we are super appreciative, both to the people who ask questions and just everybody in the community that has been giving us support. Um, You can, of course, find us on Pod Realms or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will see you soon for arc two. Mm-hmm.